The cool thing about this business is you definitely start earning income the day you place a vending machine on a location. Our worst machine does about $600 a month and our best machine does about $2,000 a month. So these machines can make quite a bit of money and revenue on a monthly basis. Welcome to another episode of the Upflip Podcast. I'm Alex Freeman, and today we have Benjamin Smith, who with his partner, Joseph Pugh, built a vending machine empire from the ground up and brings in more than 10K a month from Friendship Vending Company. Ben and Joseph started earning passive income in 2018 and have grown their business every year. They've done so well, they started Vending University and have already had unsolicited bids for their vending route. Today, Benjamin will share his strategies and answer questions like how they got the idea for FVC, how they keep growing revenue and machines every year, how to approach vending locations, and what they're focusing on now. Get ready for an exciting show. First, Benjamin, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex. I'm very excited to be here, and I can't wait to share our story and talk to everybody today. To get that started, I'd love to just kind of hear when and why you started Friendship Vending Company. Yeah, I mean, we love telling people this story and me and Joseph have been good friends for about 10 years now. And we started Friendship Vending Company just solely seeking more income. We knew one source of income wouldn't be enough to manage in a world in 2018. And just coming out of uh, college, we knew that we needed more income. So that was the sole reason for starting this company. Could you also lay out, you know, starting a business with a partner, a lot of the people we talk to are, are solopreneurs in there. So what are the benefits of starting a business with a partner? Yeah, a lot of people say you shouldn't start a business with a partner or you definitely shouldn't start a business with your friend. And me and Joseph think the opposite. Like I said, we've been best friends for years and the benefits of it are that we can help each other out. His strengths and my strengths, they vary. So he's more of a talkative person and I'm more of an action person. So when we bring those two worlds together, we're like an unstoppable force. So just having somebody who can help you out where you're lacking, that's the benefit of having a partner, in my opinion. What about any downsides or extra challenges that come along with both both starting with a partner and perhaps starting with with a friend? With that, anytime you have another personality in the mix, another person in the mix, they're going to be varying various varying opinions. So what you have to do with that is you just have to learn how to control you all's emotions, just be okay and knowing that you're still working towards that common goal at the end of everything you're doing and not to let your daily emotions or your daily feelings get involved in your business venture. And you mentioned you you started it because you you both kind of recognized the need for some some more income. But what were the the startup costs to getting the company off the ground? Yeah, startup costs in a vending machine business are really cheap. And that's the reason, the main reason why we um, started vending was because you can buy a vending machine literally for about $1,500 to probably about $4,000. And really, you could just start with one machine. That's what we did. We paid $2,000 for, actually bought two machines for $2,000 and we just grew it from there. But really, you're looking at about $2,000 on average for the starting cost of starting a vending machine business. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That is, that is pretty low, a uh, pretty low barriers to entry, but where do you, where do you get those vending machines? Yeah. So there, there are a number of places you can get vending machines. Probably the easiest and quickest way are, um, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, OfferUp, those type of websites where people just sell junk. People throw vending machines on there all the time. And then you can look at vending warehouses. So if you search Google for a vending warehouse in your area, it's a warehouse and they sell literally nothing but vending machines. Also, there's websites like usevending.com and there are other websites online. But really, for the most part, the most accessible are Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist to buy used machines. And would you recommend buying used vending machines as a, as a way to save money? Yeah. So there are three tiers of vending machines. You have new vending machines, which I wouldn't suggest anyone buying because 
these machines are made to last. So you have new and then you also have refurbished machines, which are like new machines. And a refurbished machine is basically a brand new rebuilt machine. They just take an old used machine. They take all the parts out of it. They clean it up. They sand it down. They will repaint it and put brand new parts in there. So it's like new. Um, It's just a used body for it. And then you also have used machines. And we got in at the used tier vending machines. And with that comes sometimes certain problems where certain parts of the machine might not work or you have to diagnose something yourself. Whereas a refurbished machine, they usually come with warranties that you could fix. You get a 90 day warranty and that they will bring back everything for you. So we typically say when you're starting out, go the refurbished route. But when you have a little skin in the game, you definitely can find some great deals taking the used route. And when you're looking at a, at a used vending machine, are there any particular red flags like spots that machines typically break in or where that, that you might want to be looking out for when, when doing that initial shopping? Absolutely. So yeah, you definitely want to make sure the machine turns on first and foremost, like never take a seller's word to say the machine works because we've actually purchased machines that didn't turn on. We just took the word for it. And so always test it out, make sure it turns on, put money in the machine because a lot of time, well, sometimes these machines, they might not take money or they might not give proper change. So put money in it, test that. And if you're buying a drink machine that has a compressor on it, a refrigeration system, Make sure it gets cold. A lot of times people will, especially up north, they'll test the machine out when it's cold. And it's, since it's already cold outside, the machine will cool. But when you get it inside into a location, the machine is not going to be cold anymore because the compressor wasn't ever working. It just so happened that it, the machine was already cold. But there are different things like that. You just want to test it out as if you were using it. And if you find anything wrong with it at that point, that's when you go ahead and try and talk the seller down and say, hey, um, this door doesn't close all the way. I need $100 off of this price or this selection is not working how it properly should. I need $200 off this price. So with going that used route, you can always negotiate prices and different things of that nature. And even in their maybe in their smallest form, vending machines, not necessarily small. So what equipment is there needed to transport and install vending machines in various locations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing small about a vending machine. On average, they weigh about 800 pounds a piece. So you're definitely going to need some tools to uh, move them. And typically, all you really need for most machines is a pallet jack and ratchet straps and a trailer, either a low trailer that's low to the ground that you can push the pallet jack up, or you can get a, a truck that has a lift gate that lifts the uh, pallet jack and the vending machine up itself. So you typically won't be able to pick these machines up yourself. You'll need those special tools. And um, also you want a special note, you don't typically want to lay these machines flat on their side. You always want to transport them standing up because there's some me mechanisms on the inside of the machine that if you lay it down, it could cause damage to some of those parts. So you just want to keep them upright at all times. And then when you first got the business up and running, how long was it before you earned enough profit to start paying yourselves? Yeah. So the cool thing about this business is you definitely start earning income the day you place a vending machine on a location. And really, it's kind of up to you what your goals are. If you have somewhat of a lower goal where you only want to have one vending machine and you want to pocket that money to, let's just say, pay for your gas a month, you could possibly start making enough money the first month that you're in business. But me and my partner, Joseph, we had some pretty hefty goals and we really wanted to build this business up where we were taking home $1,000 a month in our pocket. And we knew that we had to purchase more machines, get more locations to do that. So really, typically for us, it took us about a year to get to that point where we were putting $1,000 a month in our pocket. And in that first year's time, we ended up just not taking any money home. We just kept building our business. Every chance we get, we would put more money into the business. We would buy more machines. We would just do what it needed because we wanted to reach that goal of $1,000 a month from our business that we could pay ourselves with. 
Then in that startup phase, how did you initially start connecting with businesses and find places to place your machines? Yeah, so there are multiple ways that you can go about contacting businesses. One of the best ways that I would say is really just family and friends. Everybody that you know, you literally want to tell them like, hey, I have a vending machine business. Do you know of a business or does your job need vending machines? And you kind of get plugged in and connected there first because that's the easiest way to go about it. But you can also do something that real estate uses as a technique is driving for dollars. So this is kind of my favorite way to go about it. But essentially in vending, all you do is you're just driving around looking for different locations that might need a vending machine. Let's just say a gym or a warehouse or a car dealership or a nursing home. These are type of ideal locations for vending machines. So what you do is literally just drive up to the location, walk in there, ask the front desk if they need a vending machine and try and talk to uh, management to see if you could place a vending machine in there if they already don't have one. Would driving for dollars be your recommendation for maybe the top strategy to build a client list? Or is it that recommendation route? Or is there another strategy that, that you haven't mentioned yet? The top strategy, I would say definitely um, recommendation networking from family and friends. And then after that, I would say driving for dollars. Then there are a couple of other strategies that we implement. We have a website that ranks number one on Google. So if you type in Nashville vending machines or vending machine business, you will find our website should be on that first page in Google. So that's another great way to get those recommendations. And that way businesses can contact you. And it's a passive way to get your business out there. So you don't have to work for it. Another way is simply cold calling. To me, this is the least effective way because people are more apt to say no if you're cold calling over the phone. So that's another way you can just search for these different types of businesses on Google and call them and see if they have any vending machines on location or would they be interested in talking about getting a vending machine in their business. So that's another way you can go about it. Lastly, there's things like Facebook Marketplace. A lot of people, what they will do is they will put up these pseudo pseudo ads saying, place a free vending machine in your business. So hopefully a business owner is searching Facebook Marketplace for a vending machine and they'll see somebody who has this pseudo ad up that says free vending machine for your business. And they will contact them that way through Facebook Marketplace to get a um, vending machine in their business. Craigslist, they do the same thing on. But those are typically kind of like the four or five ways that you can tackle building a lead list to get your vending machine in a business. It strikes me as a as a business that customer service is pretty essential because you're working with these business owners on a regular basis and you want to get those referrals. So what are two or three of the crucial components of exceptional customer service for a vending machine company? Yeah, absolutely. Customer service is literally the number one aspect of having a successful vending machine business. And that's kind of what led us to have success early on, quickly and fast as it has. Um, But pretty much what you want to do with your vending machine business to properly serve your locations, you want to make sure that you are servicing, filling up, refilling the machine on a weekly basis. A lot of times these businesses, they hate when the current vendor they have don't come out or it takes them three to four weeks to come out and refill the machine. So they want to make sure that you have timely service. Another thing is just give them your personal number. Let them feel accessible to you so they can, if there's any problems with the machine or any problems with the product or anything, they can reach you directly. But really, if you over communicate with the location, that's another thing. So just always tell them what's going on. Ask if they need anything or if there are any new products that they would like. But just communication, being able to properly and timely refill the machines and just being accessible to the location. Those are the three things that I say are great customer service for their business. I want to dive into the numbers a little bit of the business here. So what is your current average monthly revenue and what are the kind of profit margins that you're seeing on that? 
as far as revenue and profit margin, it, it's kind of seasonal in this business. So as you would expect, during the spring and the summertime, sales are a lot higher because the weather's changing. It's hotter. People are outside more. They're thirstier. They're hungrier because they're exerting more energy. And during the summertime, that's when we make a majority of our money. We're usually seeing around anywhere from $10,000 to about $14,000 a month. And one machine, our worst machine does about $600 a month and our best machine does about $2,000 a month. So these machines can make quite a bit of money in revenue on a monthly basis. You pretty much can pocket about 50% of that just off of expenses. So your products, product margins are usually about you can sell anything from two to three times what you bought it for. So if you bought a bag of chips for, let's just say, 50 cents a piece, you can get away with selling these chips for a dollar to a dollar fifty. The margins are pretty high on the products in your machine. So that's a great thing about this business is the really high profit margins. And then how many how many total machines are you are you servicing currently? Yeah, currently we have 15 machines on eight locations. So we have seven locations that have two machines side by side. And then we have one location that has a combo machine. So me and my partner, Joseph, and we have another friend that helps us. And we all pretty much service these machines together on a um, weekly basis. And we have a few locations that we have to go out to twice a week just because they're that busy. And the key to this business, like I was saying earlier, is being able to properly service these machines on a timely basis. And essentially, if you don't service the machine on a timely basis, you're just losing out on money because they don't have anything to buy out of that machine. And then do you have any machines that aren't in use? And do you do you have to f- have a storage solution for those? Yeah. So typically we wait to purchase our machines until we have a location secured. So right now we just have one drink machine in storage because we pulled it off of a location. But yeah, you do want to typically have a storage unit. But we suggest for people, especially starting out in the business, to wait to purchase a machine until they have a location. That way they don't buy a machine and it's sitting in storage for three to four months and they have to pay for that storage unit. The machine isn't making them any money because it's just sitting in storage. So if you can wait to uh, get a machine, that's the best way we get into it. But yeah, typically placing these machines in storage is the best way to go about it if you have extra machines that aren't in use. What's the best way to scale a vending business? Perhaps you can share your growth strategy for Friendship Vending Company. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're first starting out, you're just so excited to get one machine placed on a location, placed in a business, that your growth strategy starting out is really just whoever gives me a yes, I'm going to place a vending machine there. And for everybody, it's, I mean, I think that's a great strategy to start with because you need to get your feet wet. You need to know what a good location is and a bad location is. But after your first year of business, you pretty much know what type of locations you want to go after. Once you know what's a good location, and a bad location, you get to be more selective about which type of locations that you um, want to place your machines in. And when that scaling comes, then you can pick, be picky about what locations there are. And then after that, you pretty much get to scale at maybe one location a quarter, one new location a quarter, if that location is going to bring you $2,000 a month, rather than trying to get four locations a quarter that only pay you, let's just say $1,500 a month. So we typically look at quality over quantity. So we're, we're right now we're just solely focusing on finding locations that bring us in $2,000 a month. And we're just being selective about that. So we're saying no to locations that we believe won't bring us in $2,000 a month right now. What are some of those qualities? Like, what are you looking for in a, in a business where you're like, okay, yeah, we think that we will hit that, that $2,000 a month number? Yeah, great, great question. So yeah, with that, what you typically want to look for first and foremost is high foot traffic. So you want at least 50 to 100 people walking by your vending machine every single day. If you don't, if you don't have that many people walking by your machine, it's not going to make many sales. So you want to make sure that you have high foot traffic. 
Another great thing is a high number of employees. So if the location only has, we typically don't place vending machines in locations that have under 40 employees, just because there's not going to be a great amount of foot traffic and there's not going to be a great amount of employees to purchase from the machine. Also, you want to look for long hours of operation. So if the business is open, typically you want a business that's open 24-7 so you can make money literally in your sleep all time of the day. But if not, you want a business that's open at least five, six days a week, at least open 10 hours a day. So that way you can just maximize your earning potential. And also you want a location that really doesn't have too much competition next to it. So you don't want a location that's right next to a gas station. You don't want a location that's in a um, plaza that has a uh, grocery store. Like you want a location that's solely by itself. So the only option for food is for them to purchase from your vending machine or drive, let's just say two miles down the street. And who really would do that when you have a vending machine that you could pay for right there? Going back to the the early days of the business, what was the biggest mistake that you you made early on, and and more generally, how do you how did you re, how do you recover and learn from mistakes as a business owner? Uh, we made so many mistakes. We could sit on here for an hour and talk about all the mistakes we made. And I mean, me and my partner, we laugh about it to this day. But um, pretty much recovering from mistakes just come. We have this saying that we say problem solvers get paid. So if you can solve a problem in business, you can get paid from that. And I would pretty much say the the worst mistake we made when starting our business was we didn't measure first and cut twice, essentially. So with that being said, I'll tell a little quick story. We purchased a vending machine from Facebook Marketplace and we went to go pick it up. It fit perfectly in the box truck that we rented out to transport it. But when we got to the storage unit, the machine was too big to fit in our particular storage unit. So we sat outside in the sun till about 11 o'clock at night, hot in Tennessee, trying to move that 800 pound vending machine into a storage unit. And essentially we just gave up and left the machine outside and somebody came and got it the next day. So we essentially spent $800 on a vending machine that pretty much we let go for free because we didn't measure to see how large that vending machine was and would it be able to fit in our storage unit. Has there ever been a time you felt like just giving up and walking away from the business? Oh, absolutely. There have been plenty of times. And with the problems that we talk about, the short story I just told was one of those times that I wanted to give up. And there's also times where sometimes you have to pay for a product or if you get kicked out of a location because they just don't want your vending machine in there anymore. Those are kind of some times that hurt, that kind of make you want to second guess. But you also just have to remember the main goal of why you started this business, everything that can come out of it. So if you can focus on the outcomes rather than what's going on right now, then you have a better chance of having that staying power and seeing it through to the end. On the day-to-day of the of the business, what what systems or standard operating procedures are you using to to manage the business and how do those help you in tracking and growing sales? Absolutely. Yeah, we have a lot of tools to help us automate our business. Technology these days are great. With um, vending machines, there's so much technology that you can use that you really can be hands-off except for going to physically service your uh, business. But some of the automation tools that we use on our vending machines, our credit card readers tell us what products have been sold for the day and for the week. And what that does is instead of us having to travel to the location and count how much product we need to bring with us, we can know at sitting at home how much product we need to bring. So we can only make one trip to the location. Another great tool that we take advantage of is the um, pickup options that you can use at, let's just say, Sam's Club 
or Costco or BJ's where they'll shop for you. So I don't even have to go in there and shop for products. I just put my order in. They'll have it ready for me. I'll schedule a pickup time and I can come and grab those products myself. And lastly, one tool that we also take advantage of is QuickBooks. So a lot of times when you're a small business, you have to do your accounting yourself. But QuickBooks, if you have QuickBooks, anytime you swipe a card, your business card, It'll categorize that transaction for you so you don't have to really keep track of your accounting as much as you used to in the old days. Like QuickBooks take care of everything. So those three tools are, I think, are very important in this business to pretty much automate it so you're as hands off as possible. This next kind of question is going to kind of feed into some of that that data because I'm curious about the actual stocking of the of a given machine. Who's making those decisions and are is any of that sales data driving that decision? Absolutely. Yeah. So with our sales data, our card readers, they'll tell us about how much product is in the machine. So it'll tell you if you have 100% stock, if you're at 80% stock, it'll send you, you can set a uh, alert for if you get under a certain percentage. And what we typically aim for is we don't like for our machines to get under 60% full. And when it's under 60% full, there will be a couple of rows that are favorites of the location that are empty. And you want to make sure that they always have their favorite snacks and drinks available. So that's why we say 60% is our goal that we try, typically try to stay at. So we'll refill around 60 to 70%. Anything under 50%, we're like, okay, like we really need to get out there as fast as possible. But setting those alerts and knowing that ahead of time is a great way to stay on top of that and just make sure that your customer service is amazing as it should be in this business. And then do you ever, you know, hey, we're getting this alert that we're under 60%, you know, we're coming out there, this is a third trip out this week, do we need to add in another row of Snickers bars or whatever it might be? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I, um, in my day job, I'm a business analyst, so I, I deal with working for a co- corporate company that we set alerts and KPIs and make decisions based off analytics. So I'm always, every single day, I'm checking what my machine is doing, what products are selling the most, what products are selling the least, and I'm updating my inventory based on that. So that's a great way for people who might not be as number driven, numbers driven as someone like me. You could set alerts on your phone and it will give you suggestions of, hey, this product hasn't sold out in a month, but this product has sold out in three days for the last month. Make sure to add another row of this product and take this product out. So having a tool like uh, your credit card reader that tells you all that information is vital in this business. You made mention of a lot of the the wholesale clubs, Sam's, Costco, uh, BJ's. Is that primarily where you're sourcing products from or do you have other suppliers that you utilize? Yeah, for the most part, we use Sam's, Costco, BJ's, the big box companies. But um, also, like, don't be afraid to check out your local Walmarts, your Kroger, your local grocery grocery stores, Publix, because they have great deals as well. They they might not be in bulk, but the pricing of them will come out to bulk pricing if you buy enough of them. And um, another great hidden gem that a lot of people don't know of is restaurant wholesale warehouses. So where people who work at restaurants, where they go to buy their products in bulk, you can buy a lot of products for vending machines from there as well. And those are actually the best places I suggest to go and find products for your machine. If you have one in your area is a wholesale uh, restaurant warehouse. So just Google that and you'll be able to tell if you have one in your area or not. How often are you are you price comparing on different products? So if, it's, if you need to restock, restock, we'll say Snickers bars in this example, like how often are you looking at what Snickers bars are going to cost at each of these different spots? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, when you're in the business for a while, you pretty much know 
everywhere what their prices are. You know, um, when a price goes up, you'll see your different price tag for it. So you'll know like if you paid more, but you're always looking for the best deal. So if you go to Walmart and you see Walmart's having a killer deal where you can get three Snickers bars for a dollar, whereas if you have to buy a big 48 box from Sam's Club and the Walmart price is cheaper, I'm going to go to Walmart and take advantage of that sale rather than just sticking to my same routine of going to Sam's Club and buying those products. So you always want to check and look pretty much on a weekly or daily basis just to see who has the best deals out so you can maximize your profit margins at the end of the day. And then when it comes to to maintenance and repairs for the machines, who's, who's handling that? Is that you or is it an outside service? Yeah. So typically um, you're buying these machines outright. So you are, you do handle the maintenance of it. But like I was saying earlier, these machines are made to last. Most of these vending machines were made in the 90s and early 2000s that we buy the refurbished machines and they work amazing. But typically, if you do run into the, to an issue, you want to reach out to a service technician, a vending machine service technician for the repairs that you can, might not be able to handle yourself. A lot of the repairs are simple repairs. Um, vending machines were made to pretty much have simple fixes that don't require a lot of mechanical use. But sometimes there are different repairs. Like let's just say a repair to a compressor in a drink machine or something that might need technical repairs on a motherboard, but that rarely happens. So there are a few repairs that you want a service technician to come out and do. But for the most part, you could find a repair, how to fix something on YouTube, Facebook, different vending forums online. So there's a lot of resources out there to show you how to fix anything on a vending machine yourself. And then you've, you've made mention of your of your day job. So I, I guess the question then becomes, how much time are you spending on the business in a typical week and how passive of an income stream can it be? No, that's a great question. And um, that's another reason why we got into this business over other businesses, because pretty much the only true major time that you have to spend at the business is going to stock your machine. The Like I tell people, it takes me about 30 minutes to stock two machines at a location. And the longest time, most times it takes me driving there and driving back. I pretty much automated the business where I probably spend about 10 hours a week working in my business because I've automated knowing what products I need. I've automated the shopping experience where I'll put an order in and I'll go pick it up and it takes me 30 minutes to pick it up. So if you know how to automate a business, it can be pretty passive. But if you don't automate it, there are some business activities that you will have to do that make this business seem not as passive. But the more automated, the more systems you have in place, the more passive this business is. Then how did the pandemic affect your business? What what changes did you find yourself forced to make uh, due to the challenges faced from everyone's foot traffic shifting? A lot of times you really had to change your focus from the type of uh, location that you were servicing. When the pandemic started, we had a couple of hotel locations. We had a couple of gym locations. And those type of locations, when the pandemic first started, everything shut down, of course, but really on into further into the year, those locations really didn't pick up as much as we would have liked. So we had to shift our focus to more blue collar locations like warehouses, like plants, like concrete plants and different things like that, where people were necessary to go to work and they needed food, they needed snacks as well. So it was just not necessarily changing our outlook, but pivoting from what we knew beforehand, because we had locations like a nursing home where we couldn't get into for six months because they closed to the public. So it was just a matter of reshifting our focus, changing our strategy, figuring out how to best make it out of here with a thriving business at the end of it. Then is there a limit to how far you you feel like you can grow with your current team and business model? And what, what might that limit be? And what would you need to change to go beyond that? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like there is a limit because the more machines you have with only a set number of employees or assistants, your customer service is going to drop just because you there's not enough hours in the day to hit that mark. Unless you're full time. If you're full time, then you can handle it. Like I said, this is a uh, side hustle for us. We have full time jobs. So we're, we're trying to keep this as passive as possible. And I think truly, I try to say around Eight machines per person is where you're going to be capped out at. So if you're looking at, that's about four locations a piece that if you have eight machine, vending machines, you're going to need to add help to it if you're doing it part-time. If you're doing it full-time, you probably can double that to about 16 machines by yourself. And then you'll need to start looking into hiring somebody to help you out or just looking into kind of making your route smaller. So getting selling off some of those locations that aren't the best performing locations, and then just kind of focusing your route on those quality locations that bring you in the most money a month. On that note, if you wanted to, to sell your business today, how much do you think you could sell it for? And how does that compare to what you've invested into the business at this point? We've gotten offers for around $70,000 for 15 machines, $80,000. So we're, we're looking for more closer to six figures range. And typically what you want to sell your business for is pretty much your monthly sales. So if you're, if you're a vending machine, I mean your yearly sales. So if your vending machines make about, uh, you have four vending machines and they each make about $500 a month, that's $2,000 a month for all four of them. You would sell, you could uh, value that entire business at about $24,000 for the month. I mean, for your entire business, if somebody was to bring you a quote for it. So that's typically how vending is priced. But we typically want to get a uh, offer of about six figures for our machines and for our business. So we're looking to keep on growing our business, selling off some bad locations, adding some better locations, different things of that nature to increase the valuation of our business. That's going to bring us to a section of our show that we call our blitz questions. Uh, so these are just going to be quick, rapid fire questions for you. Just, you know, whatever comes to mind first as we go into them. So here we go. Number one, what is your favorite business book? My favorite business book, Cashflow Quadrant. And then what kind of car do you drive? A Jeep Grand Cherokee. For a long time, that was my dream car. So I'm very <laughs> jealous. Yep, I just got it. So yeah, I've been ecstatic about it. <laughs> what would your ultimate business superpower be? Being omnipresent, being able to have multiple locations and service them all and even with other types of businesses. What is the one thing you cannot start your day without except for coffee? Exercise. What was the final thing that pushed you to start working on this business? Not being able to pay my phone bill one month. I knew I needed some some extra money. That is going to do it for our Fan Blitz questions and this episode of the Upflip podcast. If you want more from Upflip, check us out on YouTube, Upflip on YouTube. Also check out our blog, upflip.com blog, where in both spots, along with this podcast, we're talking to entrepreneurs in all types of industries about how they got started, their best tips and tricks. Again, Benjamin Smith of Friendship Vending Company. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed the heck out of this interview. 